I tell you, man, I'm so fired up about this service. I'm so pumped because God gave me, gave me this revelation a little over five years ago, and I haven't preached this series since, entitled Man Up. And I believe it was just one of those real markers in our lives, especially in our men's lives, but not just for men's, but for men, but for families as well. Because when the men get it, it changes everything. Statistics tells us that it's something like whenever a, a, a lovely lady gives her life to the Lord, a mom in the household gives her life to the Lord, it's still about 55% possibility of the entire family following God. But when a man gives his heart to the Lord, it's over a 95% possibility that the family will follow God. You see, Satan, Satan's out for you guys. He's out for more than your lunch, your health, your money, your time. He's out for your legacy. Now, Pastor Mark kicked it off last week. And I said, man, I'm kind of stingy with those notes. I don't know if I want to just let anybody preach that. But, you know, if anybody's going to, I'm going to have Pastor Mark do it. He killed it last week, didn't he? Altars were full every service. Five men gave their lives to Christ, but the altars were full of men worshiping together. You know, as I, as I think about this and I, I, I look at what's going on in our nation and I look what's going on in the kingdom. Earlier this week, we did a going home celebration, a funeral right here, right here in this front altar for a young man only 39 years of age. His lovely family are here. They're members of the church. He'd visited a few times. He had recently given his life to the Lord, but he had struggled with addiction most of his adult life, only 39 years of age when he passed away. And you know, it just stirred up in me and it really ticked me off. I was already mad at the devil, but it ticked me off even more to see what Satan is doing to our men, what Satan is doing to our nation. And it's time that someone mans up. And so for the next few weeks, all the way up to Father's Day, that's what I'm going to be challenging you with. I'm going to be challenging you with manning up. We're not just manning up for ourselves, and we're not only as important as this, manning up for our families, but we're manning up for our community, and we're manning up for our nation because God wants us to not only touch our community and our nation, but God wants us what to touch the world. But it begins with each one of us. You know, I, uh, I wasn't raised in a home with a father. My father passed away when I was three months old. My mom had a large family, eighth grade education. and She, was a wait- she became a waitress, and then later on she bought a little restaurant there in Inez, Kentucky, and we lived in the back of it for many years. My sisters, everyone worked it. So I learned what business was when I, before I was, when I was just a little guy. And uh, I had a stepfather for a few years, and then he was killed in a mining accident, and he taught me some amazing principles about being a young man and that sort of thing and how to, uh, you know, how to submit and that kind of thing to an extent. But I didn't have him long enough. But I was like many men, even if your father was in your life, maybe it wasn't a positive situation. Many times it's not. Or maybe it was a positive situation. You just didn't discern it correctly. Or maybe your father is an absentee father. But I was struggling with what most young men struggle with in my younger years. 
And that was really father issues and really understanding my identity as a man. I, I didn't know how to be a husband. I hadn't seen a husband do that. I didn't know how to raise children. I didn't have a father in the home and to teach me long enough to understand that. And what I found was this, that much of my young life was really about finding approval through coaches and mentors and teachers, anyone I could, people who I worked for, and anyone older than me. I, I was always hungry for someone to speak into my life. Why? Because there was an emptiness there. There was a void there that no one could fill because God put it there. Because ultimately, he wants us to seek him as father. And then I had been in business for a number of years, up to I was 28 in my 20s, all the way from 21 to 28. I owned multiple businesses. I was in, owned two restaurants and owned, I was partners in three different coal mining operations. I was in a lot of things. And then when I came out of that, I went into full-time ministry. I started preaching the gospel when I was 23. And I went back to college while I was running my businesses uh, to get ministerial training and so on. But what I come to realize was as I was seeking all this, I took the same hunger in my heart as a young man seeking approval, seeking a father figure, see, without even knowing it, seeking someone to fill that empty place in my heart, someone to fill that empty place in my life. Someone that I could get their approval. Someone that, that I could show my accomplishments and someone that would cheer on my successes and someone that would help me through my failures. But many times I didn't find that. Sometimes you get taken advantage of and get used because you're so vulnerable, vulnerable because you want something to happen. And I had taken that into my life, not only into business, but I would taken that into my life in ministry. And even after pastoring this great church at that time for probably 12 years, because this is our 19th year, I found myself when some really tough stuff hit, my mother passing some close betrayals with people within the church and staff and different things, the things that just happened, but it just kind of built up, the economy crashed, all these things happened. I found myself in a dark place, and I didn't realize it. And it's just kind of like you're sitting in water, and it's boiling, and it's hot, it's warm, then it's hot, then it's boiling, and you don't even understand it until your very life is about to leave you. But Pastor Steph recognized it, and she called me out on it. She said, honey, you just, you just need to get some help. And, you know, I'm a faith guy. You don't get counseling. You don't do that kind of thing, right? We're men. I'm a man of God. But, boy, I humbled myself when I came to the end of my rope, and I went away for a week with an with a, with a organization that pa counsels pastors. And at that time, they were in Colorado. Now they're in another state. And it was a week that changed my life. It gave me tools to deal with the natural things I was facing. You see, everything's not spiritual. Much of it's just practical. But I think sometimes we try to make the practical things spiritual, and we try to make the spiritual things practical, and it never works out appropriately, and you don't get the results you desire. But as I searched through that, and I came to the realization that the only approval I need is from God, and that's where this statement came from. God loves me what? 
just as I am, not as I think I should be or anyone else thinks I should be. He loves me just the way I am. And, and I'd read the scripture a hundred times at least, or maybe hundreds of times in 1 John four nineteen. But this one little verse just flipped everything. It was that one thing that helped to flip things around. I was putting the work in, but it helped weigh the balance. And, and what was it? It was, it was that for God first loved us. You see, I'd been wanting his approval now. He was my Lord. He was my Savior. He was my God. He was my heavenly Father, but I couldn't relate that into being my daddy, into being Abba. And what I want you to realize is I began to have my father wounds healed, not by just having a father in my life, but I began to have the father wounds healed in my life. Why? Because I began to approach him differently. I wasn't seeking him to fix me. I wasn't seeking him to, to love me. I wasn't seeking him to, to mark me and to give me success. No, no, no. Or to forgive me. Sin. No, I was seeking him as daddy. And my relationship, that's what the word Abba means in the Latin, dada, daddy. That's where we get our word daddy from. He's not just Father God, he's Daddy God. And I began to commune and communicate with him on a different level. And it began to open things in my heart and open things in my mind and open things in my life that I never imagined before. See, a lot of things we come into church and we dress a certain way and we look a certain way and we behave a certain way and according to what we think we should do or be according to that church, that ministry. But really, are we opening our heart? Are we really manning up? Are we really allowing him to touch us? Because if the man is unhealthy, the culture is unhealthy. You see, that's what, what I want you to really realize today, that, that um, when a man's character and conduct becomes healthy, it changes things. But when it's negative, it affects things for generations. And when it's negative, it begins to reproduce these culture uh, cycles, these cultural cycles that begin to break and tear down the very fibers of wherever that man is. We see it in our nation, and we see it really around the world because, you know, suffering makes the news, right? Not good news, but suffering makes the news. And people don't want to admit it, but we see some of the stats that men uh, are really responsible for. We're responsible for the majority of these stats. Think about it. One hundred. There's 163 orphans that we know of worldwide. There's 40 million people with HIV AIDS. There's 26 million prostitutes worldwide. $28 billion in revenue from forced prostitution. $400 billion in revenue being made in prostitution globally. We have globally, uh, trafficking is what is the second largest criminal activity, next to number one, of course, drugs. One in three women that we know of anyway have been victims of domestic violence. 11.5 million single, we have 11.5 million single moms raising 20 million children by themselves. You see, the broken male culture is the wallpaper that the media hangs its hat on. It's really hanging its hat on the broken male culture. And what I have seen, the culture is just as broken in the church as it is in the world. 
What I see is a lot of broken men coming to church but don't understand how to be free and how to be healed. You see, there's nothing worse than a spineless man, a man that is a Christian that is so spineless that they can't humble themselves to be healing to someone else. And when I think of the tragedy with your all son, and I think of how many people in the body of Christ are so busy judging an addict versus helping them be free. We, 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 we want to look at this and we want to look at that, but we don't realize that there's a root issue there. You see, everything you and I deal with comes from one of two places. The deepest root, it either comes from, number one, hurts, that you've been hurt, that you've been betrayed, that you've been stabbed in the back, that you've been let down, that you've been maybe physically abused or sexually abused, whatever it is. It comes from hurts that build up in your life or it comes from loss or the fear of loss. I've lost the love of my life. I've lost my children. I've lost my retirement. I, I, I've lost my health, or I could lose my health, or I could lose my retirement, or I could lose my children. And until we as men of God man up and humble ourselves so that Abba can touch us, you see, he already made a decision to make you free. He sent his son so that you and I could be free. But freedom is a choice. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, 24 million children in America, one out of three, live in biological father absentee homes. Guys, there's a father factor in the body. There's a father factor. And here's the truth I want you, you hope, hope you get us a church. That really, the hope for men is the church. But here's the other side. Men are the hope for church because if men don't get it, no matter how hard we try, we can't be more than 50% effective. You see, guys, until we man up, and take charge of our lives until we man up and make ourselves available, till we man up to be humble, to receive, to be open, to let God touch us, till we man up to where we can be truthful with God, till we man up and we can open up and, and try things we've never tried before and allow the Holy Spirit to move in our lives, not only will your family never be what it can be, you will never be what you can be as a man, and any church you attend will never be what it could be without you manning I want to talk to you about a story for the next few minutes. Turn with me to John chapter 11. And this story is about a man named Lazarus. Now, when we look at Lazarus, we would think, well, how's that relate to us? That pastor, we're men. We're, we're here today. We could have been home in bed. We could have been fishing. We could have been golfing. We could have just been laying on the couch resting. No, we're here today. We could be getting work done around the house. And, and, and you're going to teach us about a man named Lazarus. And, and, and Pastor, I don't know if you know it or not, Lazarus was dead. Exactly. He was dead, but then he was resurrected. And I'm believing that there's some men under the sound of my voice today 
you're dead right now. You're dead in a relationship with God. You're dead in a relationship with your family. You're dead in a relationship with others. And and today God wants to resurrect his kingdom life in you, his love in you, his authority in you, his power in you, his beauty in you. He wants to raise you up this morning. Look with me in verse 32. This is after Lazarus had been dead for four days. It says, when Mary reached the place, John eleven thirty-two. 32, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews had come along with her also weeping, He was deeply moved in the spirit and troubled. Verse 34. And then he said this, where have you laid him? He asked. And they said this, come and see, Lord. I want to ask you if your emotions are dead today, if your desires are dead today, your dream is dead today, your vision that you once had when you were younger is dead today. The energy and the passion that you once carried and everybody said you were crazy and come on, you're just what? Young, that's all. How many would like to be young again even though you're not young in the natural? Not just young physically, but young in the sense of nothing's impossible. Your life's gonna be better than anyone ever thought it'd be. You're gonna do things that even blow your own mind away and then you wake up one day and that area of your life is dead. You look at those pictures of when you were younger and, you know, less weight, more hair, that kind of thing, and healthier. And you look at that and you look at yourself down and go, when did I let that die? You look at yourself and you go, man, I thought by this age, you know, our financial situation would be different. I thought by this age, I wouldn't be working as hard. Now I'm not just working a job. I'm working multiple jobs. I I thought that I wouldn't just be taking care of my kids. Now I'm taking care of my kids and my grandkids and maybe even your great grandkids. I'm like, come on, Lord. I thought this is why I worked so hard. I thought, and you say, when, when did my possibilities I love it and they say come and see Lord I want to ask you are you willing to let him come and see I mean is it so secret that you can't tell your spouse your friends your pastor you don't even want to utter it out with your own lips is it so secret that you're afraid to let the Lord come and see You see, I had a friend that always says this, and I think it's so true. I have a friend, not had a friend. And she'd say this, tell the truth, and you get some help. I saw her talk to people, counsel them, and they'd be like marveling around and going around. I said, wait, wait, wait a minute. Tell the truth, and you're going to get some help. If you're not going to tell the truth, pastor can't help you. I can't help you. Nobody can help you. Tell the truth, you get some help. If we're going to man up, we got to tell the truth. Oh, it's two of you. God bless you. I'm glad you're here today. Two of you. What are we going to do with ourselves? Come and see, they replied. And what did Jesus do? He wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, 
Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Let's stop there for a minute. Let's let this series, my heart is that this series is going to bring some hope to some wives and to some family and to some friends that have your husbands and your friends and your brothers and your uncles and your sons that are living dead men. They're walking dead. My heart is that this series somehow by the anointing and the presence of the Holy Spirit and our prayer and our giving and our serving and our loving together will break things loose to change your man's destiny forever. You're probably saying, man, uh, God, how'd you let that happen to my son? God, how'd you let that happen to my man? God, how'd you let that happen to my husband? God, how'd you let that happen to my uncle? You see, God didn't let anything happen. He's no respecter of persons. He's waiting any time you want to just say, come and see. Come and see, Lord, here am I. Anybody ready for a miracle this morning? I'm believing for it. I'm believing. I'm believing for it. In the next 15 minutes, I'm believing for it. I, I see one young man here with his wife today, and he was in the funeral. And he said he'd come up to me. Six, six people gave their lives right here to the, in, to the Lord in that funeral the other day, Thursday, uh, what day it was, yeah, this week. And I said, would you come and be baptized? He said, Pastor, I'm, I'm ready. I'm getting baptized, and I see him here today. Amen. So glad to see you, buddy. Bless you, man. Look at me in verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And he said this, take away the stone. But the Lord said, Martha, the sister of the dead man, she said, But by this time, there's a bad odor, for he's been there four days. The King James said, he stinketh. (laughs) Then they said, then he said, did I tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Verse 31, so he took away the stone, and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you were always you would always hear me, but I said this on, for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out, or Lazarus, come forth. You know, Lazarus was no different than any other man. He was like you and I. Lazarus had people depending on him. Lazarus had people counting on him. Lazarus had people putting their hope and trust in him because we're only going to go as far as Lazarus can lead us, as far as Lazarus can provide, as far as Lazarus can take us. But now we look up and Lazarus is dead. He was sick. We don't know what the sickness was. And not only was he dead, he was buried. And not only was he buried, not just one day, two days, three days, but now he's been buried for four days. And he's not only buried, he's wrapped in grave clothes and he stinketh. Is the Lazarus you're sleeping with dead? Does he stink? Is the Lazarus that's your daddy Is he dead? Is he living a stinking life? 
Let me tell you something. You can't just put it all on your dad. You can't just put it all on your spouse. You got to get a revelation yourself and you got to dig down deep in yourself and allow God to bring transformation to you, ma'am. You got to allow God to bring transformation to you and you can be a seed to the household that can resurrect your man, that can resurrect your son, that can resurrect your husband, your father, your grandfather, your uncle. You can have a seed in you that can resurrect your Lazarus. I don't. I've seen it for years. Women come in here and pray and believe and so believe for their husband to get saved. And then their husband gets saved. He doesn't miss church for three months. And then all of a sudden they can't make it. This happens. That happens. And before long, he's coming by himself. And before long, he's not coming at all. And then they're coming back again. Oh, my, my Lazarus. I wanted to say, well, your Lazarus was here more than you. And then they don't miss again. They're believing for the resurrection of their Lazarus. But they never got a revelation of how to help keep Lazarus alive. Hmm. I want to give you just for about five, ten minutes max. But I, I want to give you three tools to help you out of this passage. Three tools. Here's the first one. Here are men. Here I want to talk to you. Man up when everyone else says it's over. When everyone else says you're dead. When everyone else gives up on you. When everyone else said, well, he had potential, but, you know, he never achieved it. I mean, come on. I, I thought he was going to do something with his life, but he hasn't done anything with his life. And, and, and you know, they call you a loser, and they call you an addict, and they call you a cheater, and they, they call you lazy, and they call you non-spiritual and nonsensical. They call, but up there in John eleven eleven, it says Jesus calls us friends. So no matter how bad we think our Lazarus is, Jesus said he's his friend. And I want you to realize, men, that if you would stop looking at the negative things in your life, where you missed it, where you could miss it, where the pain is and what the pain's from, and you get a vision for your life and realize that Jesus is your friend. He's not against you. He's for you. Even in the worst times of your life, even when you're in your lowest point, even when your friends have given up on you and your, your, your spouse has given up on you, maybe even your own children has given up on you, maybe even your church has given up on you. I'd leave that church if it gave up on me, just saying. But anyway, if they've all given up on you, I want you to realize that he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I'm so thankful that today that when everyone gives up on Dalton, God doesn't. See, he's never going to give up on you. The Bible says he's never going to leave you or forsake you. But sometimes we walk around covering our stink and trying to wrap it up and hide it and hide it from our family and hide it from our friends because we feel like we have no power. And the only reason we don't have power is because we just haven't come forth yet. But you're getting ready to come forth. You, you haven't been resurrected yet. You say, yeah, I've been a Christian a long time. Yeah, but you need to be resurrected. You know, Lazarus was alive at one time and then he was dead. But the good news is he got alive again. And I'm just telling you, that dead walk with God, that dead prayer life, that dead time you spend with your loved one, that time it's just dead. It's just in a dead space. God is getting ready to resurrect it this morning if you'll let him. 
See, God has a pattern for his people. He has a pattern for calling people what no one else calls them. You see, people called Abraham childless, but God called him the father of many nations. People called Moses a murderer, but God called him a deliverer of his own people. People called David. They said that he was forgotten and he was overlooked, but God called him a king. So I don't care if they're calling you a murderer. I don't care if they're calling you lazy, addicted, or overworked, or underworked, or underpaid. No, what I'm telling you is God has a greater calling on your life. God has a greater purpose for your life than you can even imagine, and especially better than what those people hanging out with you can imagine. Well, I just don't know why he goes, hangs out with those low life. We'll get going good and he hangs out. Maybe your life's lower than the low life on occasion. Oh, pastor, you being mean. No, no, just remember, sweetie, it takes two. My mama taught me that a long, when I was a little boy, I heard her tell my older sisters, well, you wouldn't know what that did and what he said, where he said, she said, well, girl, it takes two. It's her own daughter. See, when you came together, you're hooked. You're united. And you have the power to put thousands and ten thousands of demons to flight. You have the power to bring angels and messengers of God and the Spirit of God into any situation and circumstance. You have the power to, to grow in your grace and your forgiveness and your love like you never imagined before. See, people may have People, people may have wrote you off. People may have buried you. They've labeled you. They buried you in the grave of hopeless, hopelessness, liar, drunk, adulterer, abuser, criminal, negligent, stupid. They've labeled you with these labels. They buried you. And you're in a grave of brokenness. And you're in a grave of pain. And you're in a grave of sorrow. And, and you fake it really good to where a lot of times they just think you're tough. But you drive down the road in your truck and you cry. Or you get out in the backyard and you're saying, I'm going to get something done around the house. And you're out there weeping because you don't know what else to do. Because nobody can watch a man cry. But I want you to realize today Jesus is calling you right where you're at just the way you are. And he's calling you friend. And he's calling you free. And he's calling you whole. And he's calling you alive. Here, here's a second tool. Men, we got a man up. We've heard this before, right? We got a man up because that's what real men do. Real men man up. And Jesus shows us what real men do. Jesus, it says, whenever they told him where Lazarus was and he began to walk, what did he do? He wept. He cried. Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, he cried. You see, Jesus had a heart. He had the heart of his Father, God, in him. And a spine that moved him to action. So that's what real men do. So many of us, men and women, have taken our pain, our failures, our abuse, and we've just buried it. And it comes out in our time at home. It comes out in our kids' life. It comes out in our church life. It comes out in our life with our spouse. And God 
is in the business of raising the dead. God is in the business of resurrecting, resurrection power. But what you got to realize is you have to choose to be resurrected. So if you want your marriage resurrected, if you want your ministry resurrected, if you want your relationship with your children resurrected, if you want your health resurrected, if you want your finances resurrected, whatever it is, whatever multiple areas you need resurrected, then it's going to be up to you to call on that name and say, come and see. Come and see all that I am, Lord. Come and see all that I have become. and Bring transformation. Bring your love. That passes all understanding. Bring your spirit. Bring your power. Bring your authority. See, here's the, the key. Real men don't bury it. They don't ignore it. They deal with it. They don't always know how to deal with it, but they bring it to someone that can help them deal with it. And I had to find that out about, goodness, at least seven years ago, if not longer. I had to find out about that. How, how am I going to deal with this? I had come to the end of my road. I'm up here preaching the gospel. People didn't know. I, I, I'm not abusing my family or anything, but I'm, I'm depressed, and I'm, I'm just living a failure's life behind the scenes and broken. What? I was hurt. I'd been abandoned, and, and, and I'd been abused to an extent by people that I loved and I trusted. I'd been betrayed. But see, if I had been walking in a higher level of authority and understanding, I never would have got to that place. I would have got healed in a day or two. See, the Bible, Jesus said this. He didn't say you'd never be offended. He said don't be easily offended. You're going to be offended. The key is what do you do with it? You're going to be betrayed. The key is what do you do with it? You're going to be hurt and you're going to be used and you're going to be lied to. What are you going to do with it? Real men don't hide it. Real men don't bury it. Real men deal with it. See, even in the midst of stone-cold death, Lazarus could hear Jesus' voice. (laughs) It it doesn't matter how deep you are in the cave. You see, they buried him in a tomb, really a cave and a rock. It it doesn't really matter. It, It matters to you and the people you influence, of course. But to God, there's no cave or no burial plot too deep, too dark. There's no rock big enough on the front to keep him away from you. But you have to choose to call on him. You see, you got circumstances that's put you there. You got people and opinions that's put you there only because you allow it to. (laughs) You may feel dead this morning, but let me give you some good news. Jesus said, if you'll man up, I'll meet you right there. If you'll man up this morning, I'll meet you right there. But, but preacher, I don't know. I've tried it before. I don't care what you tried before. I'm just telling you what I know the Word says and what my faith is for you. And I've seen thousands of men delivered in almost 30 years of ministry. And there isn't anyone too deep, too dark, too broken that he can't. I remember, man, when I was offended with God. Ooh, that's, oh, God, pastor, that's, ooh, that's deep. That's dark. Yeah, you better believe it was. You should have been there with me. <laughs> you were, you just didn't know it. But my wife knew it. My kids knew it. I knew it. 
but I didn't know how to come out of it. Till one day I got alone with God and I told him, come to me, I, I can't deal with it. And the Holy Spirit started talking to me and I started cursing at God. But I'm a preacher, winning people to the Lord, healing the sick. And then I was afraid I was going to get struck by lightning. Then I realized I'm still there. And then I started repenting. I was like, oh, okay, I got time to repent. And he said, no, it's okay. I know you. I made you. I created you. I put that passion in you. I put that fire in you. But see, you, you got to recognize the dead places. You got to give him permission to come into the dead places. And if we're burying them so deep, you and I can't even locate where we buried them. They're so well hidden. And when I got alone with God for several days, out in the woods, all of a sudden, he began to show me things, man, that I didn't think. I, I, I had forgotten I stuck them so deep. And when he revealed them, it was like more than an onion being peeled away. It was like an explosion of emotion and energy spiritual power and God touched me like I hadn't even been touched when I was first saved but it took me making a decision and here's the final one the final tool I want to give you men is this we need a man up by getting real with other men you know other men are the mess they're in because other men don't reach out to them so many times we just let men lie on the sidelines. And what I found in church, most men are saved in church, but they're struggling. And when we act like we're not struggling, when we act like we got it all together, we're in a dangerous place. I'm not saying you go around and talk about how bad it is. No, I'm just talking about being open and allow yourself to be a leader of men. Allow yourself and your life and your experience, like Jay stood up here, this big Man, uh, corporate exec and 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 athlete uh, for him one time a wonderful athlete all this he's standing up here weeping man he didn't plan on coming to church and weeping six months ago it's the last thing wasn't it jay you intended on doing but when the light was shined on what was buried in his heart when the light was shined on how he's affecting his wife when the light was shined on how he's affecting his children when the light was shined on how it affected people around him all of a sudden he said you can have this god come and see See, see, you can get some relief, but you got to ask for it. You can get some relief this morning. He'll touch you right where you're at. But you got to say, come, Lord, here am I, and trust him. Verse 44 says this. When Jesus said this, he told him to come out, to come forth. It said, the dead man came out. His hands and his feet were wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus told them who? The other men standing around. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Just think, he's in a tomb. In the scripture it said, move the rock. They'd already put a rock in front of it and sealed it. It took multiple men to leverage it and get the rock out of front of the tomb. And then when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. You see, he was mummified. He was wrapped in grave clothes. Had the herbs on him, the wrapping, feet together. So, so when he came out, he couldn't walk. He had to come out like this. 
You imagine seeing a man that stinks that's been dead four days in the grave? And he can't even see where he was going. He can just hear Jesus' voice. Let me tell you something. You can't see where you need to go yet. You don't understand what tomorrow looks like. It's none of your business anyway. All you need to do is go toward Jesus' voice. And as Lazarus done this, look, he done this, he went. And he was tied up. And all those things that manufactured the stink in his life, all those things and relationships and addiction and shortcoming and abuse and abandonment and fear and the fear of loss and all the pain and the suffering, it had all festered in it now and stuck. Now, you, you, you want to know what's really bad? It's bad when you got an open wound, right? When you have a bunch of open wounds and then you just wrap them up whoo, and don't do anything to them for a while. It's worse than if they were open. And see, some of us, the wounds we have wasn't that big a deal. The bigger deal is we've had them wrapped up. We've tied them up and we've hit them. And now they're getting stinkier and stinkier and stinkier. And, and let, me, let me help you, sir. Let me help you. They already know. We know. Your spouse knows, your wife knows, your mama knows, your kids know. You, you just got to come clean. How do I come clean? I'm bound, Pastor. I can't even think. I, I can't move my arms. I can't move my just Just hop. Just, just, just go toward the voice of Jesus. See, I don't know what you're tied up in. I don't know what you're bound up in. If you're bound up in your history, you're bound up in things. But whatever you're bound up in, if you'll make it to Jesus, just follow his voice. Then he's got men in this church that will help, help like Jay was talking about, that'll help unwrap those grave clothes. See, 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 listen now. Let me help you, spiritual ones, because some of you just so spiritual, you're stuck. But let me help you. Do you realize he was dead four days and he was wrapped in grave clothes. Now, when he's hopping out like this to come out of the tomb and freaking everybody out, he was alive but still living in the grave. See, you can be born again and stink. You can be born again and kind of skipping through life and, you know, trying to make it and be carrying death and poison all over you, and it's infecting those you love and those you influence. And so, so don't think you can just come to church and that's okay. No, you can come to church and still stink. I've done it. I preach why I stink. But God, but God, but isn't it interesting? He was bound. Lazarus, he couldn't take his grave clothes off. And Jesus wasn't taking his grave clothes off. You know what? The Bible says he, he said, I can't give a cool drink of water to someone without you. I can't minister to orphans and the widows without you. Every one of us, every one of us are a key to someone else's deliverance. Every one of us are a key to someone else's miracles. So I ask you this morning, 
Are you willing to let some people start picking and pulling some of this grave stuff off of your head? Grave stuff off of your mind, off your eyes, so you can get your thinking right and your vision right and your words right and your life right and your health right. But see, it's your decision.